Welcome to the first podcast of the decade and the final semester of co-host Chantel Williams. Chantel graduates in May, but happily until then, she will bring you campus events every week on this award-winning podcast. With Pete Puccio as our engineer, our listeners will continue to get a full account of news, information, and gossip, keeping you informed about all that goes on at Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and this is At WCSU. Our main guest today is an alum who graduated from WestCon as an English literature major and now, of course, is a world-famous and world-traveling photographer. We will also hear from our world-traveling provost, as well as from our science-building reporter who knows what's going on among the test tubes, if you know what I mean. How about that lineup, Pete? Sounds good. Yeah, it's better than ever. We're back. Yeah, you had your good month off too, right, for the holiday break? Well, here, but yes. Oh, you mean you came in every day <laughs> yeah, and worked? We still work over the break. Oh, yeah, so do but, I. Uh, no, it was good. Holidays were good. Everybody's That's good. Everybody's sick, but, you know. <laughs> the babies all enjoyed it? Uh, yes, very much so. They broke almost all of our ornaments, oh. even though we, we set them up on the top half of the tree, and they still somehow, we were, we were putting them all away, you know, last week, and they're just all broken. Oh so I don't know how they did it, but <laughs> now they had a blast. That's good. And we're now, like, wading through Christmas presents from all the aunts and uncles and grandparents and everything else. So yeah. The house is a, is a pit. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that way for the next 20 years yeah. or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's enough of the polite chatter. Let's move <laughs> to our main interview with alum and photographer John Kane. So, John Kane, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, you were an, an alum here. You graduated from here, as I understand, and now you have a career taking photographs of naked people. It's tough work, but... Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, Paul. thank God yeah. somebody's doing that for us. <laughs> of course, I'm re re referring to your work with the two world-famous dance troupes, Momix and Palabolus, which are based here in Connecticut in the town of Washington, which is near where you're set up. Mm -hmm. How did you end up uh, getting connected with them? Oh, boy. Well, years ago, it seemed like a cottage industry, the modern dance community up in Litchfield County was um, certainly present and prevalent, and I was present and prevalent, and I thought this would be remiss of me not to to start shooting these people. So I have an extensive library over the years of choreographers, world-famous choreographers, dancers, individual dancers, uh, and I've also become... Uh, well, they've become dependent on me in some ways for marquee and marketing uh, images. Uh, so it's been a, a real mutually beneficial mm -hmm. uh, situation that I've, I saw and uh, sort of leveraged. Mm -hmm. And they've become less of a cottage industry, right? <clears throat> They're, uh, I mean, they have worldwide fame, both of them. Oh, right? yeah. And I've just hooked on to onto their coattails and going along with them. Uh, so the, the material I've, I've worked with them have appeared last year. It was the Paris Opera House, um, all over the world, mm -hmm. all over the world. My images get out there with them, and they, they perform in all the capitals of Europe and Asia. Uh, so it's been, it's been great. And I've met through them world-famous um, cartoonists or, or um, various um, uh, other choreographers um, coming through that work with them in, in various capacities. It's been, it's been an exciting, exciting run. Of course, mm. that's not all I do. No. But um, that. it's made me sort of... Well known, sort of, kind of a big deal. As one kid told me, he said you're kind of a big deal. Kind of, yes. I'll go with the <laughs> That's kind what of. We all aspire to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, what, tell us a little bit about your career here at Westcon. Oh, Westcon! I was boy fresh out of the Marine Corps, nineteen seventy. Was it seventy? 
yeah, I think it was 1972. And um, my, I was down in North Carolina, Camp Lejeune. My Sergeant Bob Bailau was going here. And I was just sort of looking for a little direction and talking to him. And he said, yeah, this is a nice little college. And um, so I, I applied. I matriculated. And it was a different campus then, though. Boy, it was, uh, you know, just a fraction of what it is now. It's it's beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful now. It's all it, kind of a dump then, too. It needed a lot of work. And, and it was freshly uh, changed from the Ruth... Haas Teachers College, I think, back then, and it had just become a state university or a branch. I don't, I don't know how that, the political denomination there, how that worked out. But um, so, yeah, it was small, but it was intimate. And in many ways, um, <clears throat> that had its appeal. Mm-hmm. I met some people in the art department that are still friends of mine. Um, uh, uh, Liz McDonald, uh, who I still I took to, I took her to Italy on a photo workshop uh, a few years back, mm-hmm. more than once actually. Uh, who I met here in the art department through Bob Alberetti, mm-hmm. um, and then I met uh, Pete Christman, a photography teacher, and I was in the English department. So yeah, don't right. ask me how that works, but <laughs> you know I'm one of those quote unquote English majors that went on to. Uh, work in a not related field. Yeah, that's interesting, you know. huh? And so you didn't get your photo degree here. They didn't have it. They didn't offer it. <laughs> and so how did that work then? You just kind of started hanging out in the art department. Yeah, and the old uh, the old independent study thing hmm. uh, through Bob Alberetti. He was very. Um, fluid with what I wanted to do. I was allowed to do a few independent study courses uh, that uh, opened my eyes and were, of course, I've always taken, I've always been a photographer um, and and I've always loved English literature. So that's married the two together, mm-hmm. got my degree in English lit and, uh, but went on to become a commercial photographer basically. So in addition to the dance companies that I worked with, which I've done a few books with them, and it's been very rewarding artistically that way, I also do architectural photography, commercial photography. Um, I'm good. I'm really good at studio photography. I can, and, and, and I have a studio, which is a, a rarity these days in Connecticut, anyways, Litchfield or Fairfield County. Um, which has allowed me to make a you know a fairly good living. Mm-hmm. Why is that a rarity now? Well, you know, studio space costs a lot of money. Universities have studio space, mm-hmm. but private studio space um, is expensive. And in New York City, you know, a couple thousand square foot studio, commercial studio, would you know be very. Uh, expensive on an annual basis. I've been able to, uh, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, bought a small farm in uh, Litchfield County with a big old dairy barn, which I immediately converted into uh, workspace. Mm. So that's been, and you, you know, but if I had to carry that every month, uh, that would be quite a quite a millstone, financial sure. millstone. So, it, and it serves multiple functions, everything from our annual uh Christmas party to uh, marketing, also a gallery. Um, we're doing actually this for the people on radio who can't, who can see this lovely poster. <laughs> um, an open studio December fourteenth, in conjunction with the um, Valley Spirit um, Wellness Center, the Owl Wine Bar, and the Bird and the Bee. Uh, beauty uh, and hair salon, basically Lo- local commercial people. Mm-hmm. Um, I got roped into doing their posters, but I have a lot of fun doing their posters. Uh-huh. And we did this one on motor on a motorcycle for um, easy ride into fall this past fall. It was a lot of fun. So here I'll give you this. It's a little bit dog-eared That's from okay. my. Uh, it's been living in the back of my pickup truck. It looks like a dog has bitten it. 
No, just just uh, a guitar has been oh. put on top of this many times, and God knows what else. Yeah. So, you know, I can do these sort of uh, photo illustrations. And people can come to this uh, Village Nights, right, on yep. December 14th? Yep, at the studio this time. It usually it travels around from the... Uh, the Valley Spirit Wellness Center to the Owl Wine Bar. These mm. are all local businesses right. in uh, either New Milford or Washington. Mm-hmm. So this is if people want to go. They uh, it's at 5 p.m. on the 14th at Silver Sun Studio, which is at Seven Crossman Road in New Milford. Yes, and we're doing it to benefit the visiting nurses hospice. So I, I will have prints for sale, and mm-hmm. you know, give them. Um, a, a a sizable percentage. That's great. And if people want more information, they can go to johncanephoto.com, I imagine. Well, that is... Uh, yes, they can email me through that website. That okay. is an antique website. It's almost oh. a calling card. Mm-hmm. But it's got my phone number and uh, a workable email, so they can contact me through mm-hmm. there. So you were in the did you, the Marines, did you say? Yeah, prior to Westcon. So you didn't grow up in Danbury or anything like that? No, but I'm a Connecticut Yankee, Cheshire, um, right from Cheshire into the service. Back then it was the Vietnam War was raging. Um, I didn't go uh, to Vietnam. I stayed in the States. Uh, But, you know, half half of everybody went back Mm -hmm. then, Um, unless if they went to Canada, which I totally respect that. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, so the uh, Uncle Sam put me through college. Basically, I had the the uh, the veterans uh, the GI Bill GI Bill, yeah. and uh, I used it. Mm-hmm. You know, I and because uh, growing up in Cheshire, you know, college was always the the um, the goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here, I ended up here. That's interesting, huh? Yeah. Uh, did I see on your website that your parents are in Montana or someplace like that? Only if you read the wrong website. <laughs> Maybe it's another John Kane. Yeah, my parents are in heaven, at least I hope, mm-hmm. and uh, from an early age, which is why I ended up in the Marine Corps. Sort yeah. of a, it, that was my finishing school when most people went off to uh, to um, some sort of a prep school. That was my prep school, mm. and. Uh, yeah, so my brother was a com- decorated combat Marine vet, got out, grabbed me by the collar and took me to the recruiter, and, and that's got me out of my hometown. So I went from, in 1969, I went from Woodstock. I, I went to Woodstock. No I'm that old. <laughs> and and two months later, I'm at Paris Island. So uh, it was a complete um, shift around for me. Yeah, no me kidding. Great background for a photographer, though, right? Somebody I guess. In the arts. I guess. Yeah, it gives me. I wish I had dragged a camera more with me back mm-hmm. then, but of course, in the Marine Corps, you couldn't. Although I ended up being the colonel's official photographer for the uh, battalion, but uh, at at uh, Woodstock, I just sort of went blindly. Some ki- some friends of mine. I was a little older, so I had my driver's license before everybody else. So he's very popular. <laughs> I got asked to do all of these things. So they said, hey, there's this concert. Let's go check it out. And I said, sure, why not? And there it was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a real cultural icon. Opened my eyes. I mean, I was very innocent high school kid from Cheshire. Um to this whole other world where people were selling drugs on the street with sandwich signs advertising acid. And I was like, what can they do? This is not legal. You know, what, what's going on? Uh Uh, And then the music was great, but the rain sucked. Nobody liked the rain. So everybody who went to Woodstock really didn't have a great time. But they remember it because it was just such, you know, it was like the moon landing was then, too. Mm -hmm. All of those things. Yeah. So, boy, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice you can tell us about it, though. I'm still around. Yes, that's good. And 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 I was lucky enough to get a a little blurb in the uh, Paris Review, and they referred to me as, what was it, something like, 
uh, hard to believe, youthful, 68 years old. I'll take, you know, the review of the work was good, but that was my favorite part <laughs> of the review. That was nice of them, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a coup. Yeah, nice. and it's great to be in the Paris Review, too, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a national, worldwide known magazine that, uh, uh, I don't know, the elite read. Right. Most people, I say, you know, I've got this review in the Paris Review, and and they say, what, the Parish Review? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but the ones that know, know, and I'm real happy with that. And it's led to other things, too. So It has. That's good. It's been good. And But before that, you were very well known, and uh, in uh, certain circles anyway, I guess, artistic circles, and the, uh, as you say, the dance um, troops helped that. Mm-hmm. But you're well known around here too. Yeah, right, for your work, I'd have occasionally shows. I don't show a lot. I'm doing. I'm showing more now and selling art prints than I have in the past. Um, and uh, I enjoy. That's probably what I uh, my goal. Hmm. You know what I really enjoy doing, which is what this open studio is all about. Village nights mm-hmm. on the 14th. Um, I've had shows in Europe. I've had shows in New York. Um, but it's never been, you know, as a young, when I used to be young, working photographer with a family, it wasn't a good way to put enough uh, bread on the table. So, you know, it was um, headshots, corporate photography, architectural photography, you know, whatever came down, sort of a general, a GP, you know, a general right. practitioner. But the dance was always there and always something I could uh, b- build a library on, which now has some value. Mm-hmm. Well, most uh, people in the arts have some kind of background like that, right? They don't go immediately to showing in museums and art prints and that kind of thing. They have to, mm-hmm. as you say, put bread on the table with headshot. Uh, and it's not just artists, right? As you said, general practitioners sure. lance a lot of boils and uh, yeah, before exactly. they come across something That's interesting. Right. I mean, I'm no Andy Warhol, but he was a he was a, you know, uh, an illustrator mm-hmm. for commercial stuff right. uh, prior to his breakout. So, uh, yeah, or um, the best example is Charles Ives, who's mm-hmm. famous here about uh, who was a insurance yeah. guy. Full-time, that's yeah, what he did. Yeah, full-time, <laughs> right. So the arts, unfortunately, in America, don't really provide an easy support system. Um, un- if you're around long enough and you're good at it, uh, y- you can make it work. But mm-hmm. but you always need to bridge, it seems to be. But that's all good, you know, because even the, the architectural, the headshots, all of that is just a... Um, a way to sharpen your chops. Right. You know, get good at what you do, better at what you do. I can understand the architectural. There's a lot of interesting angles, I guess, in buildings, right? And things, no architectural details. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but headshots is hard, isn't it? It's, uh... Yeah. You, you get to a point where you're so comfortable doing it. But it's always subjective with with uh, people. Mm-hmm. Headshots they have an image of what they look like, and mm-hmm. but I'm 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 pretty good at it, and I sort of can read them. It's psychological as well as um, just mechanically something to execute mechanically. Uh, plus, with the dawn of the digital age, um, there's just so much I can do, and I'm pretty good at it. Uh, after post-production, so if we don't capture it in the moment, I can frequently make it so mm-hmm. afterwards. Though I like to, I really like straight photography the best, maybe with global adjustments, mm-hmm. but um, I don't like to do a lot of a lot of uh, digital magic afterwards. But I'll do what, what needs to be done. Right. You know, if it's an architectural shoot and they're not quite done with construction, I make it done mm-hmm. you know after the fact right and, and and i you know it costs there's a budget for that so i do it right you know so you were uh, it occurs to me move transition from film and dark rooms to this digital era oh yeah yeah right when we bought the farm 
with Wendy, who mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, His wife, Wendy Carlson, who worked at the News Times for a long time as a photographer, and I used to work there, too. Yep. Um, we were at this point where it was going to be a dark room. And I used to have a great dark room with a stereo and a couple of enlargers, and I would run uh, E6 or color transparency film up in New Milford because if you do a shoot, you want to see what you have before the client breaks, mm-hmm. you break the set and they go away. Um, but boy, the 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 just the the real estate that that took, the uh, the sewer and septic issues, the the. OSHA issues um, were, and the amount of Polaroids I would go through, Mm. bushels of Polaroids, um, is now all replaced digitally. It's not really any cheaper because computers cost a lot of money and hard drives and backup and all of that, but it's just a much cleaner uh, environmentally, and uh, I am a control freak, so it's perfect for me because I can control everything. Right. (laughs) Well, some photographers, I'm sure you did too, love the process of developing film and seeing the image come up because you can control there's a lot of details in that too right that process you know that is so wrong paul oh. <laughs> that is i i was very good at it uh probably as good as anybody can be uh but i just never liked being in a dark room on a nice day mm. soaked in fixer and uh chemicals yeah. i just never Never really like that. So now I work with a Lightroom software, which is the an- antithesis of darkroom, mm-hmm. and I can I can look out at the beautiful landscape while I do my editing. And uh, plus, you know, just like things, like I need an enormous light table to lay everything out yeah. and and look at everything and mark it and cut it up and store it and then retrieve it. Yeah. Uh, just an insurmountable. I have a basement with probably a million mm-hmm. images in it that mm-hmm. I've been scanning over the years to save, and then at some point, it's just all going to go to a landfill, I guess, mm-hmm. or a bonfire. I, I don't know exactly what to do with it. Um, but no, I do not miss working in the dark room. Yeah, I, that's I, good. I know, I know my way around though. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. The uh, so what do you do? What's your regular schedule like now? Are you jetting off to Europe all the time, or what do you do? No. Uh, well, it depends. There is no, no such thing as a regular schedule for me. But twice a year now, we've been doing uh, these photo workshops, hmm. which take us to um, Italy. It's it's sort of a background story, but I'm an Italian citizen. My mother was born and raised there. Hmm. So I have, um, and I looked at some of the workshops that were being offered at various, you know, um, establishments or universities, and I said, wow, I I can do better than this. I actually have some real connections there. Um, So I have, uh, we do one in the Veneto with family friends who happen to be families of the scions of doges of Venice. So these people are they're wonderful people, and they're one of the last f- actual original Venetian families in a summer uh, Venetian palace, the Villa Marcello, which is just spectacular. Uh, so we go there, and then we use that as a home base to head up into the Dolomite Mountains or to Venice, always shooting and then editing at night. Um, it's a lot of fun. And, and as I said before, um, Liz McDonald, who I met here at Westcon, has been one of our guests more than once, mm-hmm. although she brings a box of paints. So she paints. <laughs> we, we photograph. And um, that, that's the northern uh, leg of it. Now, my mother's sister married into a big farm family in the south in Paestum which is a World Heritage Site of Greek temples along the Mediterranean. And she has um, a big ranch with a thousand water buffalo, which is uh, how you uh, make mozzarella cheese. So, uh, and it's an agriturismo, it's uh, Michelin rated. So we go there and use that as our home base to hit the things in the south that are just spectacular. And every time I go, I depend on my cousin Cecilia, Barata Bellelli, to um, 
sort of scope out these things. And I, my eyes are always open to new things to see and do. Um, of course, you get the whole um, mozzarella production thing and the and these farm in the south. The temples that paste them are are exquisite and spectacular, and most people have never heard of them or seen them. Uh, we'll go to uh, Regia Caserta, amongst other things. We always change it because I don't want to get bored seeing the same thing. Uh, but Regia Caserta is this enormous uh, palace that was uh, really built by the sister of Marie Antoinette, hmm. Marie Antoinette was doing uh, Versailles, and they had a little, you know, house competition. It's bigger and more splendid than Versailles, but really unknown to the American public. So we'll go there, and 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 and, and always food is part of it, because Cecilia is one of those slow food people from the '60s who started that whole movement in really? Italy. Hmm. So, um, and I mean, and they grow everything uh, at Celiano's, the name of the farm at Pastum. So everything we eat there is from that farm, except for the wine, which is usually an exchange of mozzarella for wine from a local, you know, so we, and wine and food and photography. So it's called Eat, Drink, Photograph Italy. I guess I should say the name of it. <laughs> and do you lead people on a tour there? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, usually 10 days, um, and it's all uh, spectacularly beautiful. Uh, I mean, you know, Italy tends to be spectacularly mm. beautiful, but there are places you want to avoid at certain times of the year. You don't want to go to Venice in August, but you do want to go in late September with a good guide and uh, and, and, a, uh, and a private motorboat to take you around. That can be real special. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the south, there are, you know, Rome, Trevi Fountain, you don't want to be there in July or August, but early spring and uh, with a good guide, it, it can be spectacular. So, yeah, I've been, I'm an Italian citizen. I've been going there since I was a kid with my mother. So that became uh, something that I sort of uh, warped into a uh, a photo workshop. It seemed like a natural natural thing to do. And you get to do that twice a year? I get to do it. I tell you, I don't know how much longer I can do it. It's a lot of work Mm. for me because besides just teaching the photography, I have to uh, assemble this trip with new and interesting things to do. Uh, but every and and prior to it, I'm a wreck. I don't sleep. And then we do it, and I come back, and I'm like, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. So we did it twice last year. Hmm. Once in the Veneto with the uh, Marcello family, and it was really fun. If you go to eatdrinkphotographitaly.com, you can look at the pictures and the videos, and it was it was really a great time. And read the reviews; people love it. Uh, and then in the south in the fall at Celiano. And these are the best times to be there. And uh, it's off the beaten track. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a typical touristy thing. And you meet some of my crazy family, which are very entertaining people. <laughs> they truly are. Yeah. That they sounds fantastic. It is. It, it's It's been great. And that's exactly the reviews we get mm-hmm. online. It costs a bit, but it's... For what you get, it's it's a great value. The best food, the best wine, and uh, close photography instruction, and great camaraderie. All of the people that have been on these trips with us are now not only my friends, but friends with Cecilia and uh, Jacopo Marcello in the north. I mean, they, they and they go back mm. And they visit. So it's a really nice. I'm very proud of my Italian heritage. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, that's really, this is really an excuse for me to express that. Right. I think. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Really, you have, uh, you owe it all to Westcon, it sounds like. Well, <laughs> I was, I did exist prior to Westcon. Yes. It's true. But <laughs> I made connections here that were, uh, you know, pivotal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I ended up in New Milford 
with a uh, Westcon professor, and we decided to start a commercial photography venture. That lasted about a year. His goals were different than mine, uh, but that was really how I ended up in, in New Milford, which ended up, uh, then I bought a farm up there with the barn for the studio. So yeah, it's you never know where things are gonna lead. Right. That's why I'm always open to um, proposals and, and new, new, uh, new introductions, new jobs, uh, or, or even just talking about work, mm -hmm. uh, or coming here, talking to you. You have a great voice for radio, by yeah, the way. Paul. Thank you. I was thinking the same about you, actually. Do? I, yeah. I think I'm a little nasal. No. What do you think, Pete? I refuse to answer other answers. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Uh, I really appreciate you coming in today and sharing this with us. Uh, it's uh, great to talk to alumni and um, to hear all these great stories that you have. I bet it's interesting. It huh? is interesting. Huh? Yeah. I wonder some of the people I, I used to know, too. We'll have to talk afterwards. Yeah. Tell them to call me and we'll put them on air. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Anytime. John. Thank you. Dr. Missy Alexander took a brief vacation over the break and relaxed by reading about higher education. It turns out that the debate over teaching practical skills rather than liberal arts has been going on for quite a long time. In this segment of the Provost's Office, Dr. Alexander has solved the conundrum. Have I solved it? Have I really solved it? Well, here's the thing. I was reading a book on higher education history, which is an odd thing to do on one's uh, vacation, I agree. But um, it's the only time I get to read full books. You know, when I'm busy working, I'm reading articles. That's the best I can do. So I actually do find it relaxing. And this book was about the concept of higher education as a common good. But I got to the part, which is right before the Civil War, when the first big well, wait a minute, what happened to the liberal arts <laughs> came out and I just laughed. I just started laughing by the pool. I said, well, this is an old story, isn't it? So it turns out that even when we first got the big land grants, that's when that debate really crystallized here. Who knows where else it crystallized, right? Um, and I thought, right, because the land grants were supposed to be practical. So we look at them as the big research schools now, but the research was supposed to be practical. They were supposed to help with agriculture and technology. There it is, right? So I always think about this argument, and I'll put my cards on the table. I think it's a false dichotomy. I don't think that this is a thing, but we like to talk about it an awful lot. Um, I don't think that accounting is any more practical than art history. And here's why. Each one teaches you how to do something each one teaches you about the history of something because every discipline teaches you about the history of the discipline. No matter where you start, you end up doing that. Each one in the real world, which means after graduation, is going to manifest itself in many ways. You know, accounting, for example, is in a tremendous transition right now. So all of the things that our students are learning, which are very practical, are in fact subject to change. <clears throat> And pretty dramatic change is actually predicted for that industry. So what are we really teaching them? We're teaching them how to think. We're teaching them how to learn. And so I don't think we should be talking about liberal arts versus practical. I think we should be talking about all of it as how it helps us engage the world, right? And how it helps us shape our own destiny. But the part of this narrative that I find sometimes gets ignored and shouldn't is that our students do want to know what the value of a class is. And sometimes this offends us in higher ed. Sometimes our feelings are hurt because we think, well, of course it's valuable. We read about it. We cared about it. Therefore, it's valuable. And we don't like things all be being turned into monetary applications is the best way to say it, or very practical, straightforward, um, direct applications. We don't like that. And we're right not to like that. We shouldn't try to reduce everything to this is how it works in the real world and this is what you can do with it. But there are levels of application in every class. And I think it's helpful to our students to know that, to see 
how it can work, right? And so, again, things like uh, nursing, mathematics, uh, accounting, electricians, any number of things seem very technical. They have very steps that we follow and we know what they do. But a lot of the rest of it is not so much, right? And so my economics class is incredibly informative. I might even learn how to do some particular processes, but mostly I'm going to learn how our culture thinks about social structures, access to wealth, the concept of distribution of wealth, the concept of uh, competition, and that is very helpful information. It is not going to make you a better business leader, necessarily, right? It's not necessarily going to make you run, become a CEO, but it is interesting information, and it can help me frame how decisions are being made, understand how politics is working, understand how to work in my community to get my school budget passed, right? To understand the real values underneath that. I would say the same thing of art history, right? Art history seems like just one of those nice-to-haves. Unless you're an artist, then it's a must-have. But not so much. I mean, art is filled with cultural information and cultural information that can help, help you see how particular artists have seen the world, but also how we have valued various art, artists. And there are actual technical things, like when perspective became a thing in art, which is interesting to know that it was invented, that it didn't just exist, because that can tell you that other things were invented. And my favorite on that with most undergraduates is to tell them that the alphabet was an invention, right? Because it goes, what? <laughs> right? And you start, you start realizing things that you think are natural are invented. But there's also something about the way that art communicates, which is very much about empathy or feeling, maybe not empathy, feeling. And feeling responses are also meaningful, right? And I'll go back to the way economics told me about all sorts of political things. So, do, so does art. Right? tells me how the culture feels about groups of people, social structures, who gets access to things, etc. I also might just enjoy a picture, right? <laughs> which is awesome. But they're both really quite useful. So I think our task in education is to show the students, give them the guidance for how they might see those things. Not say this directly does this every time, but just like how it might ultimately inform you in some moment in life, when you realize you have a tremendous disagreement about something, you might remember these classes where you talked about something that you thought was maybe frivolous. Turns out it's where the insight really was. So that's really what I was thinking about is we should stop having this conversation about liberal arts versus practical education and start helping all of us see the value in all of it. Hey, Pete. Yes, Paul. Have you seen the latest TV ads for Westcon? I haven't. Really? Well, they're there. And because we have no visual aids for our listeners, I'm going to describe the ad for them Ooh, in vivid words. I like it. Yeah. So it opens on a darkened room. I'm looking at it on my tablet. A darkened room with a young woman sitting on a couch. And she's sad. Oh. Yeah. Then her annoying younger brother comes in and drops the mail on a coffee table in front of the couch. She sullenly looks through the envelopes, but then sits up when she sees one large envelope. She rips it open and exclaims happily, Westcon has admitted her. She jumps up and down and the whole family runs in to find out what's happened. They hug and congratulate her. And then there's a soft fade and she's shown in the future, full of confidence, striding through a long office complex, obviously in charge. And a caption appears, thanks Westcon. Who needs television, Paul? That was riveting. <laughs> hey, we can make a new career for us. Yeah. So you should look for that on television. And if you have any questions about how to get a Westcon education for yourself, send an email to admissions at wcsu.edu. Some people get really excited about the holidays or their birthday coming up. Dr. Rada Krell, our science building reporter, anticipates the opening of the semester. So it's the new year. 
the launch of a new semester, and it's one of my favorite times of year because there's this great energy uh, in the science building right now. So the students are back, and they're trying to find the right classroom. They're getting to know the professors. Um, they are being delivered their, their syllabi uh, and being instructed to read those in detail. Um, but concurrent with all of that, I think um, what brings the excitement to, to the building is uh, the students begin to realize that uh, this isn't high school anymore. And they're going to be getting scientific content at a level that uh, is slightly more rigorous than what they've had in the past. And they also get to um, do things in laboratories that they've, they've never had the chance to do before because of both the materials um, and the equipment that they'll now have access to for the first time that, that they may not have had in high school. And so... Uh, I, I really enjoy this time of year when the students are kind of dipping their, you know, opening the door to a laboratory for the first time um, and seeing kind of their eyes light up as they learn about uh, what they will be doing this semester. And now, recorded live in the basement of Whitehall, co-host Chantel Williams. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good uh, break? I did. It was nice. Had some family come over, and we did listen to the podcast. Oh, that's good. See? <laughs> I, kept I was going to ask. Yes. <laughs> I kept my word. And yeah, it was just relaxing and um, just enjoyed some time off. Let's just bit. back up a second. Did they enjoy the podcast? They did. They enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> they said it's interesting hearing my voice like no, through, they didn't like, talk radio. about me. Oh no, they did. <laughs> they said you're very well. <laughs> you're very good as well. Oh good. So. Then that's uh, good. Now we can get to the uh, yeah. rest of the stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did your mom clean the house? Yes, super we well? uh, we all helped clean the house and hmm. then we um she put up all her Christmas decorations. And then we cleaned after that as well. <laughs> so, you know, the, the house is sparkling clean and everything. But, you know, of course, she still wants to clean more. Um, and now she wants to remodel everything. So that should be interesting, you know. I appreciate um, that because yeah. we're still cleaning up from Christmas yes. in our house. And... <laughs> we had the tree up for some time, which I was surprised about because Julie were, were really good at putting it up on a good time mm -hmm. and then taking it down. But um, we, we had it up for about two weeks after Christmas, I, I, well, I mean, we had it up still for the new year, so, yeah. yeah, so we wasn't in a rush to take it down. It was a lot of effort putting that tree up because we had it up nice and s tall and standing, and then my dad was messing with it, and it fell, oh. so we had to, like, somehow <laughs> plop it back up, and we, we, we did all sorts of things, but it was standing. Did so, it already have decorations on it yes. when it fell? Oh. and it's funny, I had just decorated the tree that day oh. it looked so it looked so nice and then he was like oh it's a cricket on the bottom so he tried to lift it up without holding the top piece and it just went tumbling on down right right and all the most of the decorations were saved there was a couple you know that broke and everything like that but um yeah but at the end of the day we had it standing so <laughs> we we got it fixed <laughs> i got blamed when our christmas tree fell down too a couple of years ago so <laughs> He was trying to say, and it you know, wasn't my wasn't fault, my fault either. Yeah, no. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not your fault. It's okay. Christmas uh, wasn't ruined or anything. Uh, so, good. poor <laughs> it dad. It was so good. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really good time. But I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Did you? Uh, you didn't come to campus or anything during that time? Did um, you? actually, yeah, I came up here a couple of times because I was still working in the office, yeah. like um, right. for like a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um. I didn't stay on campus or anything like that, so... Did you do your internship? I did. I went a couple of days, um, so I was able to, like, stay in touch with that, so I went a couple of days for that, but um, I didn't go, like, the normal two days, you mm -hmm. know, that I would go out of the week, but, yeah. Was your mom so. happy that you got enough relaxation over she the... She was. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she was like, I could tell you needed it, you know, because she was, like, stressed out and everything. I could tell you needed to relax, so it was it was good, and she had time to relax as well. Huh. Um, my dad, he took some time off, so he was able to relax, so it was, it was good. It was no, much that's needed. That's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. It's much needed. Well, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the final, the final go round. That's right. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It, it has hit me, but it hasn't hit me yet. So that it's like this is it. So. It'll really get crazy now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like that finish line's right there. Just gotta keep yeah, going. That's so. right. You'll still be nice to Pete and me, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <Good. laughs> So we have like a lot of good events going on. Um, the first one that I want to announce is happening today, um, and it's bingo, my favorite, hey. um, and it's happening in the ballroom. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, 
this is it for me. Yeah. So I feel like this this semester is really going to be my year to win at bingo. So every time, maybe yes, and maybe you know, even like I'll be satisfied with a gift card. You know, winning like the <laughs> raffle. Just let me win something. So um, yeah, bingo is happening tonight, um, Westside Ballroom at 8 p.m. So go out. There's no special theme. You know, sometimes they have like pajama themes or mm. stuff like that. But it's just you know regular old bingo, and it's really fun. Um, again, I enjoy bingo it's one of the best events that they have here that pack throws because it's just a good time it's an unexpected fun but it's like relaxing but you know a little bit of thrill you don't need special skills for it you don't you don't Uh, you really don't all you have to do is just be able to listen to the numbers Mm -hmm. and which which is kind of hard for some people because at the end when we play sudden death when it's just like um you know, you have to look at the top row of the last bingo card, and if that if your number is called, then you have to sit down. Who's the last person standing? So it's just like, you know, it's always one person that gets up there, and they think they win, and they check the card, and then they don't realize like the number their number has been called. So and then the wow. other person, yeah, it That's happened. It happened three times already, <laughs> and the other person walks off like, "Dang, I was so close!" And they was like, "Hang on, you actually won!" And so like they get excited, and then the other person like. It's just like, dang, like, you know, yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's fun. But, yeah, come on out to Westside Ballroom, um, 8 p.m. to play some bingo. Chantel will be there. Yes, I'll be there. So, hopefully, you know, y- you'll see me win, hopefully. <laughs> let's let's just pray. <laughs> but I feel it coming. Um, and then on Saturday, gen- is it Saturday? Yes, January the 25th, the women's basketball team um, is having a game versus the University of Southern Maine. And it's going to be at the O'Neill Center. So come out and support the girls at 1 p.m. And then the men's basketball team will have a game as well at 3 p.m. following the um, women's basketball Against game. Southern Maine? Yes, against the same the same. And there team. are bitter rivals along with Eastern. Yes. So it should be a great game. Go out and support. Um, and just, yeah, go watch the games. Yeah. <laughs> the women's team, I read, was the highest scoring team amongst all divisions really? for ba- women's basketball wow. this year so far. Wow. They're above 100. Their average is above 100 That's points a awesome. game. That's awesome. That is awesome. Shout out to the girls' basketball team. Yeah. Woo! because they're really doing their thing. I'm, that's that's awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great. I had no idea. See, you know, thanks you for listening. to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> now we know. Um, and Sunday, there's going to be a drum circle, a common ground on 33 Crosby Street. So it's trying to get us out um, in the community. I'm not really sure that... Do you know where Crosby Street is? Yeah, it's a couple of blocks down mm-hmm. toward Main Street. Yeah. So I know we're trying to get students to go out... Um, Um, downtown and get involved in different things so this is a great opportunity to do that as well Um, and it's a community drum circle and it's from 5 30 to 8 30 p.m Um, and then there's there's no cost but there's a suggested donation of five dollars and um, no experience is necessary. So that's important. You don't need to yeah. be an experienced drummer. Anybody can In go. order to drum the, the drum circle. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing. So all are welcome. If you don't have anything to do or you want to see downtown Danbury, go head out. And that's a great event. And, mm-hmm. you know, get some, you know, meet some people in the community. Because we are in Amherst, Danbury. That's so right. it's, it's nice to, you know, um, view the assets of Danbury and see all that it has to offer and not just the campus. So We're a, a lot college out town, right? Yes, there's a lot. There's a lot of yes. That's what I was about to say. There's a lot of great places to Mm -hmm. eat, and and there's you know it expands far. I know all of us we love Minas and everything, but it expands far beyond that. And there's so much food, Mm -hmm. and I know um, one thing that I just discovered is that there's a bagel man on this side. I thought it was only on like um, West Side, like near that, but I had no idea it was like one on this side. I was like, oh, there's one even there's one closer to me. So I've been traveling that way for no reason, (laughs) but you know it's okay. (laughs) But there's so many good places to eat, so many things to do so just go out and explore you know if you're in your dorm you don't have anything to do just go out and take a trip right um i remember yeah my friend and i we did that freshman year we was like let's just go see so we literally just walked down and walked the strip and see what was there um we went to the mothership um the restaurant and we got um we got a smoothie i had a strawberry smoothie and a muffin it was it was really good it was just a nice day yeah Yeah. just to see downtown danbury and 
all that it offers. <laughs> so that's happening Sunday the 26th. So go out and um, enjoy your the, the drum circle. And then also Sunday the 26th is going to be the Madden tournament. Uh, Madden is a football game <laughs> mm-hmm. that um, a lot of people enjoy playing. And that's going to be in the, for um, resident hall students to play and join um, R.A. Sean Young um, at 6 p.m. in Grosso Hall. Um, and test their skills in video games. So you should see, you can pick your favorite Madden team. And I think this is this is funny, a funny time because you know the Super Bowl is coming up. Mm-hmm. So you know, let's see how well you are in Madden. And I know, um, in the game room, well, not the game room, the computer lab mm-hmm. on West Side, and it has like the video games and the screens and everything. I go in here and I'll be on the computer and then all of a sudden I hear someone scream and I'm just like, what is going on? They was like, oh, it's the guys in the game. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, you guys really scream at the screens and like, you know, it's not, you know, they can't talk back to you. I know you may have like the headphones on, but you can't actually see the person. That's so. Right. But it, it's pretty funny. So go ahead and test your skills. It's Again, a guy thing. Right? It is. It is. You know, it's funny because like my brother, he does the same thing. I, I think he's having a full on conversation with somebody. And it's just him talking to the video game. And I'm just like, you know, it's, it's interesting. But I do the same thing when I'm watching, like, a Netflix show or something. I, huh. I, I like, talk to it. Really? <laughs> yes. Like, when I watch, um, I don't know if you know the new series, You. It's called You. And mm-hmm. it's about, like, he, he's, he's basically a stalker and everybody. But um, I just, like, I don't know. I talk and I'm just like, you know, there's no way in the world you don't know this. How do you not see him? <laughs> you know, he's in plain sight. How do you not see him? Like, uh-huh. how do you not? But it's, it's funny. So everyone has their own thing. But I think guys, when it comes to video games, they just have to let it out. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so I think that's good. So you guys can go let it out in the Madden tournament um, on Sunday, 6 p.m. So At Grosso Hall. At Grosso Hall, Great. yes. And then Clubs Carnival is also happening Wednesday, um, January the 29th, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And that's going to be um, in the ballroom this time. Hmm. So on I know it was side. on, yes, West Side. So I know it was um, last semester they had it on Midtown Campus this year semester it's going to be on west side just change it up um Mm -hmm. so it's good time again i always say clubs carnival is a really important event and great event because it's the time that you see all the clubs all the new clubs um new people you may be thinking about joining an e-board this is a great time to get involved as well so um it's good for the current clubs and maybe new clubs and maybe if you don't see a club you can start one so it's always a good time and they always have fun activities candy most likely you you walk out there with a lot of candy <laughs> some food some good so it's it's always a good time so um, how many tables will you be manning <sighs> let's see that's Hosting. a good question you know no. <laughs> um i'm gonna be bouncing around as usual mm-hmm. but um bswa will be there uh bsu will be there and the office of intercultural student affairs will be there um and along with that we have the commuters organizations parents organizations so you know we'll be there we're you're <laughs> so, on the commuters one too well i'm not really in the commuters one but like i help along with office. it yes so wow you four, know that's so, four tables yes so mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna see i think um you know i'm just gonna be bouncing around here and there so but i'm just actually glad that i'm able to go this time because i don't have i have I don't have class, so that's yeah, that's good. So, that yeah. is good. Yeah, so I'm happy I'm able to actually um, go and really um, recruit some people and just get it going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's a fun event. So, again, that's happening Wednesday, um, January the 29th, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Come out, have a good time, and see all the clubs. Yeah. <laughs> and when are you going to spend time studying? I'll make I'll manage, you know, <laughs> it's it's easy now, you know, because it's we're just, you know, syllabus week kind of. Right. But I still have like stuff to read and things like that. And um, I'm handing in my ma- my college essays for my master's program. Yeah. So I'm in the process of that. Um, so right now it's kind of easy going. You, you, know, you just hop it on in there. But I'm just the next time we do the podcast next week, I'm, pr- I'm sure you can hear something <laughs> different. Um, yeah, we're going to get back really into the swing of things. So. And the applications for master's programs are due now? Yes. So um, there's two different deadlines depending on what you're going for. So I'm going for advanced standing, and I also am going for a scholarship. Mm. So in order to be considered for all of those things, um, your 
deadline is February 1st. Now, it's different for each school because um, mm. I, again, it's all about doing your research and things like that to see which graduate school fits you, fits the program, has the best program. So for myself, I'm applying for Howard and Fordham. Mm. Um, they do have the, the same deadline, February 1st, but they also have another deadline if you choose not to go um, into the accelerated program, advanced standing, or... Um, if you just want to like um, hold off a little bit, so they do have an April first deadline, mm. but I'm going for the February first because I want to want to get in there. So yeah, that's because that's yeah. what you do, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, and then I will hear back by April. So yeah, mm. that's exciting. But yeah, it's all about doing the research for the um, schools. I'm going to visit both of them, so that should be interesting. I should mm-hmm. have a lot of info coming back. Um, yeah, and that's been an that's been another interesting journey as well. Just you know, going through the whole process of like applying to different schools, but like in a different scope as a graduate student right. now. So um, it should be should be fun. Yeah. And advanced standing just means you do it faster. Yeah, of- so that's what it means. So um, the social work club, I mean, the social work department at WCSU, we are a accredited um, department. Mm-hmm. So. Our senior year basically counts as one year of a master's program. So we are eligible to apply for advanced um, standing for a master's uh, degree. So that's cool. good for us. So we can only do um, we the lowest that we would have to do is like a year. So in order to earn our master's. And I know there's um, previous social work students who are doing it now. They are in advanced standing. And they said, like, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. They're almost done. Like, this is their last semester as well. And they just graduated from WCSU last, you know, last, like, last year. So um, it's just a faster way. And then it's also, like, save money. You know, you don't have to pay for that extra year, you know, the amount of time. So, yeah, it's it's really good. And it's all thanks to WCSU because we're accredited. Not Mm -hmm. all schools are, you know, are like that. So you will have to do them two years or three years however long it would take but we could do it within one year and i think that's great that you is know? great so yeah saves time saves money and um it's just good and i can also get my license as well so all of that can happen within a year wow <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty fantastic. yeah it's, it's pretty good um yeah it's a lot of work they said like you know you won't have a life basically <laughs> That's that's basically how they said. It. I was like, okay, you know, I can live with that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's only, only for yeah, it's only for a year. You know, and it goes by so fast, and the end result is just worth it. So yeah. you know, yeah. So it's it's really good. So yeah. Before we sign off, I had one more question mm-hmm. for you, unrelated to that. Our <laughs> guest this week is uh, went to Woodstock. He mm-hmm. said, "Do you have you ever heard of Woodstock? Do you I know have. What it is? Now, okay, so I know." <laughs> Was it like a concert? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was like okay, so it often gets like compared to like Coachella. Mm-hmm. They said like Coachella is our like Woodstock, and I also know Woodstock from like um, what is that movie? Um, I can't think of it. An old movie or a new? One? Um, it's kind of old. It's not too old. It's like in the nineties. He he goes through like different periods of time. Oh, what is his name? Like Jenny, like um, what is I can't remember, but he goes to like different periods of time, and he like actually like ends up in Woodstock at some point. Hmm. Forrest Gump. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Forrest yes. Because he goes. I can't. I couldn't think of it. And I'm just like he goes to all of these events. So I'm just like, what is it? And I know he ends up in Woodstock at some point. Uh-huh. And I know it was kind of like um, was it the the late '60s, early '70s? Yep. And it was like kind of like the hippie sensation going on. So I know a little bit about it, um, but not like fully on, but. That's cool. He was there? Yeah, that's what he says. A lot of people say they were there. Yes, all right. (laughs) So did he actually, like, plan? I wonder if he actually planned on going, because I know a lot of people kind of just, like, just said, like, hey, let's just go for, like, just dropped everything and just went. Yeah, you're right about that. I didn't ask him, though. (laughs) So I was wondering, like, if it was planned or was it just a split, like, just a... He did say, I think he said that... um, uh, like a lot of people who went to Woodstock, mm-hmm. you have great memories of it. But at the time, it was miserable because it was raining for most of the time yeah. and you lived in the mud. Yeah. And it wasn't actually that fun. And you're a mile away from the concert, actual yeah. concert. And but they love talking about it. After. Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep I mean, I don't know too much about it, but I, I know. Was it like a, a concert to was it something for the war? Like, was it? I don't think so. It no. was during the war, Vietnam War, but mm-hmm. it was just a, a counterculture kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, up in New York, upstate New York, not too far from here. Yeah. Honestly, all the times that I do hear about Woodstock, 
I hear about like the fashion, like you know, like a lot of the pictures that come out of there is about like the fashion. Yeah, a lot of tie dye. Yes, so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's interesting. That should be, yeah, that should be a great interview. I want to hear his experience. It will be. Yeah, yeah and make sure every all your family listens. Yes, to. yeah, because I would like to hear. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, you never think like you're living in history. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we could be living, yeah, and and you have no idea. Like, oh, this is gonna be a big deal one day. You know, you have no idea, but it's just you know it ends up happening like that. So that's the way this podcast cool. is. Yes. <laughs> This is going down in history. Uh -huh. When you're in grad school, you'll be saying, oh, you're the one. Yes. This is going down in history. In a good way. Yes. All right, Chantel, thank you. See you next week. Thank you. All right, that's it for the first podcast of the entire decade. Remember to look for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher and iTunes and everywhere else. You can find all your favorite podcasts. If you leave a comment or, you know, tell us something through Twitter, we will talk about it on the podcast here and give you a shout out or yell at you if it's something nasty. And uh, what's the rest of it, Pete? <laughs> uh... If you have any questions or comments you want to let us know, you can email us at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Um, well, you can also give us a five-star rating. Yeah, yeah, on Apple Podcasts. You can race anywhere you get us. Uh, just subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Um, and if you see any of us on campus, let us know what you think. Oh, that would be great. For Pete and Chantel and me, I'm Paul Steinmetz. This is at WCSU.